Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. You know, every time I listen to that opening, folks, I keep thinking of the Johnny Carson, and we got to have someone do this, and here's looking, so we got to do something like that to enter it. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Good to have you be here with us, making a part of a way of you getting updated on what's going on in this industry, and there is so much happening. For those of you that listen to this program on a downloaded basis, this is the Monday, August 29th program, 2016. And we're glad you're here live or downloaded. Got a lot of people dialing in. That's good. Velma's doing their job, letting everybody know about it. And so anyway, lots of good stuff here. Again, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. Love being innovative. Lots to talk about. Boy, I'm really excited. Here you go, Lickin. You start off every program by saying just how excited you are about the hot topic discussion. Well, that is true. We had a great one last week, a lot of feedback from Gary Acosta on the program. Uh, really interesting. But I am equally as excited about as this program as I am anything. It's gonna, We have a dear, dear friend, Tony Moss, will be joining us in the hot topic segment. You know, you look at the the 14-year narrative on globalization that led to the crisis, and you look at where we're going now as a result of globalization dying. And we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be talking about this in context with her upcoming event, which is at the end of the month, and she's got a special invitation. This is an invitational-only event, and I want to tell you, folks, that's not one of those things where you go, it's invitational, but if you go to this website, you and thousands and everyone else, so it's, it's not one of those. This is legitimately an invitational-only event, and you are going to get an invitation if you're listening to this podcast. So really excited. I'm very excited that Tony would be so gracious to open that up to our group. So anyway, hot topic segment, Tony Moss, get ready. The results of dying globalization. What does that mean for our industry? should be really very interesting. also want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, the Innovative Rate Star Program. Here, we're going to hear from good buddy there, Jim Jump, here in a little bit. Motivity Solutions with the KPI of the week will be on just a little bit. They have the leading business intelligence technology program out there, uh, tools and uh, technology, and it's a real-time reporting and dashboards and core cards. Now, they just got acquired by Black Knight. Very interesting. And we'll be at their user conference coming up here. I'm speaking at it. We'll be very excited to be there. It's coming up next month. Just a lot. This just slightly less than a month away. So also Velma, that stands for the Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They do a great job of helping you build stronger, more profitable relationships with their Set It and Forget It auto email campaigns or they can you can create custom campaigns on the fly. That's what we do here. I'm one custom, flexible, got to change it all up every day, every week. And they do a great job getting the message out. Get a hold of Brett Emler at 208-854-7909 or go to Velma, V-E-L-M-A, V-E-L-M-A.com. Simplify. I love these guys. They do a great job. Their technology gives you the ability to collaborate with real, in a real-time manner with settlement agents via their real-time chat and messaging. It allows you to track changes, send and receive, validate documents, a lot of things this technology does. But even better about it is the people there. Nancy Alley and her team is just a great group of people, and they're leaders in the space. It's really, really well. There's other people out there doing the same thing. Alice has got a great product. You'll have to hear about that one of these days, Alice. But, I mean, Simplify does a great job, and they are a market leader, and we're proud to have them. As a sponsor, check it out at simplifile.com, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-I-L-E.com, or call Nancy and her team at 1-800-460-5657. Also, really honored to have D&H, one of the world-leading technology companies out there. Been around for 140 years, have 5,500 employees across eight, uh, 70 countries, and they have over 8,000 clients, a host of products and services. They have the innovative mortgage bot product, but also we've had Diane uh, coming on, Bailey, and Bailey, and she's coming on, and we've had her on. We're going to have her talk, come on again and talk about the barometer product. 
very interesting, again, innovation coming out of DNH. So check them out, www.dhdnh.com. Also, the Mortgage Collaborative. The past founding presidents, five presidents of the MBA, started the Mortgage Collaborative. It's one of the only organizations of its kind that allows you to get discounts by being members of the MBA. Really neat affiliation, how they've pulled that off. Again, it is the ultimate network or the power of the network is how Rich Zerbinski, who heads up membership there, is sort of heads it or discusses it. So check it out at themortgagecollaborative.com. We did a podcast from there last week. It was a great conference in Denver. A lot of the top Fannie Freddie folks there, and uh, it was really fun talking about it in this environment. Now, this is a collaborative event. are totally different than what Tony Moss does and different than what the NBA does. It's just really unique. But So you need to go to all of these events. But anyway, check out those, this thing at themortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Zerbinski. I like that. Zerbinski at 440-552-0691, the power of the network. Let's talk about the NBA conferences. We have the October 23rd through the 26th, the annual expo and conference at the Heinz Convention Center in Boston. Going to be a great event. Lots of stuff. James Taylor will be there. A lot of them. This is the most, the widest attendance. Dave Stevens was telling me the other day, this is the, the, there's more people registered for this conference than any time they've ever had, especially pre-advanced pre-registration. So scrambling to find a hotel is a big issue there. Also, the November 10th, uh, 2016, the Whole Loan Trading Workshop. That's at the Hilton Phoenix, Arizona uh, Hotel, Airport Hotel in Phoenix. Check that out. As well as November 6th, 15th through the 17th is the Accounting and Finance Management Conference at the Manchester Hyatt in San Diego. Learn more about all these conferences and do that at the NBA website. And while you're there, Pick up the phone and call my good friend Tricia Megliziano. Uh, I said that Megliazzo. There we go. Got that right. Get a hold of me, Trish, at 202 557 2858 to become a member of the NBA. And while you're there, get a part of the Mortgage Action Alliance. In fact, you don't even need to be a member of the Mortgage Action Alliance to do that. All right, that's our announcements. Good to have our sponsors. Glad to have the announcements and the partnership we do with the NBA. Of course, we have Tony Moss's event coming up. We're going to talk about that one separately a little bit later on the podcast. With that, let's go over to Joe Farr looking at the graph Hi here. There. Nice little improvement in prices. And, uh, yeah, it's not bad. They're falling. Prices are rising. What are we attributing this to today, my friend? Well, not much. I mean, uh, the economic data that came out this morning is really pretty much right on uh, expectations. Personal income rose four-tenths, which was expected, and then core PC held steady at uh, 1.6% on an annualized basis. It's been that for the last, uh, well, since May. I'm sorry, since March. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, there wasn't a big reaction to, to the news. It was a little bit positive, as you might think, uh, you know, with inflation really not on a trajectory higher. That, that gives the Fed little new reason to, to uh, increase interest rates. So uh, uh, viewed as a little bit positive. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but even then, Janet Yellen's comments from last week. I mean, that's yeah. interesting hearing your thoughts about last week. So, well, uh, you know, last week was all about that speech that was coming up, and and the market had very little activity, uh, you know, on the days preceding uh, Friday. But then, even on Friday, after her her speech was released in text, uh, uh, the market saw very little new information. Her comments. Uh, revealed that uh, you know she believes that the case is strengthened for a rate rise, but then she had all kinds of reasons why it might not be necessary. It might not be appropriate. Um, you know, and, and reiterated that the decision remains data dependent. So, very little new information came from her speech. And and you know, during that during the time following the release of her text, and then as she was making her speech, there was a small improvement in mortgage-backed security prices. But then uh, Fed Chair, uh, Vice Chair Fisher uh, made some comments in an interview following yeah. the speech, and he's the one that really moved the market, and unfortunately he moved it in the wrong way. Uh, Correct. Uh, he, he, uh, he felt like uh, two rate hikes this year might be appropriate and uh, kind of cautioned about that. And you know, on those more hawkish comments, MBS prices reversed direction and ended the day lower. You know, really pretty much uh, for the week, though, there was very little net change in, in MBS prices, therefore, in mortgage rates. The other economic data that came out 
during the week caused a little reaction again because I think everyone was kind of waiting for the, the yelling speech. But new home sales rose to the best level since 2007, so that was great to see. Uh, existing home sales, though, fell from June. Durable orders beat expectations, but that's a little volatile. Uh, second quarter GDP was re- revised uh, a, a tenth lower, and that was pretty much as expected. Treasury auctions were mixed. So, again, for the week, very little net change. And, uh, yeah, this week's going to be kind of similar in that the big event of the week is going to be on Friday, and, and we might see very you know calm markets in advance of that, although today we are up a little bit. Um, the the uh, jobs report on Friday is uh, the expectations call for about 180,000 net new jobs. Um, then in advance of the jobs report, Dave, the consumer confidence comes out tomorrow, uh, Wednesday's ADP and Chicago PMI, and then the pending home sales comes out on, on Wednesday. So that'll be a good and interesting look at the sale of existing or previously owned homes uh, as far as contracts being signed, a little more uh, current data than the existing yeah. home sales data is. Yeah, I think we're. And really then, uh, yeah, then the ISM manufacturing index comes out on Thursday. So, you know, uh, several pretty important events. But again, I think most eyes are going to be on the jobs report. With the Fed having said what they said about the data dependency and the. Uh, there's a jobs report and a retail sales number and and uh, a couple other fairly significant economic events to come out between now and the, the Fed meeting on the 21st. So the biggest of which, though, is the jobs report that's going to come out on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at your website right now, and I don't know how people can get along without looking at your website in this world, volatile as it is. But it shows down farm payrolls. And your, uh, the economists are, if, if what the numbers are saying here, it's projected to be down 180, like you said, and uh, – and then uh, unemployment. Well, not down falling. 180, but uh, expected to be I mean, 180, which is down from last month. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for grading down from 255,000 to down to 180,000. So, right. it'll be interesting to see if that is what we realize, if that's what actually happens. So, great job. You have a wonderful website. I love it for the conciseness of how you get to the point. Some other great sites out there and good services, but I, I like yours because of the conciseness of it. So, Thank you. folks, if you are not signed up to use MBS Quote Line, you listen to this ad and get signed up. We'll be right back after this brief. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quote Line delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up to the minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect and know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quote Line, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quote Line today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. So much fun doing this program and partly because of who you get to have on this program. I got Paul Mollo on the line. I had to we had to because we ran into two guests last week we had to kind of preempt he and uh, I mean and and, uh, good buddy uh, Sam and sorry, I was struggling there, Sam. But it was, it was had to preempt it because we had so much to cover. And Paul wrote back in classic Paul Mollo style. That's it. I'm so offended. I'll never come on here again. But you got over it and you came back. Good to have you on, Paul. I love your Thank you, Dave. That's I'm walking out right now. Just, okay, how's that? I'll fix just, your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just, you're <laughs> it's, not, it's nice to have sick. a Monday off. Maybe we'll take more of them off. <laughs> Don't you dare. I love having you on. So looking at your website, Paul Mollo, and uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, www.imfnews.com. If you are not signed up to receive these daily updates on the mortgage industry, mortgage finance industry, you're missing out, folks. Grab it, get it. But let's go through what's on the website now. Sure. Listen, we, uh, as everyone knows, Inside Mortgage Finance Crunch is a uh, production date every, uh, every quarter. We have different uh, takes on the data. Uh, we did the jumbo lenders, and uh, listen, it was a booming quarter for jumbo lending. Uh, an estimated uh, $101 billion in jumbos were funded, uh, and that was up 31% from the uh, first quarter. Um, you know, keep in mind that uh, banks just love this business. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, Wells was uh, Wells regained the uh, uh, the origination mantle, the number one lender uh, prize for the quarter. Uh, they beat out J.P. Morgan, and you know, it's not in the story, but it's it's in the larger version, which is in um, inside a nonconforming markets, one of our sister newsletters. I think it's something like uh, 52% of JPM's loan originations are jumbos. And like six, twenty six, twenty seven percent of Wells's are jumbos. I mean, and it's no secret. Listen, JPM is, you know, basically cut out of FHA lending except for buying correspondent production. Uh, and you know, JPM's just going after the high end client. It looks like uh, I don't know how that helps them with their CRA uh, credits, but um, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, anyway, so yeah, all the numbers are in. Um, Inside nonconforming markets, and there's a version in one of the uh, inside mortgage finance newsletters with the top 30 rankings and all that, so it's all there. But uh, Jumbo Lending, you know, a, a great business right now, and it looks like it's going to be that way for a while. Uh, we have yeah. a story about um, uh, a lender uh, they're called FB Financial. They're the parent of First Bank down in Nashville. Um, they're going public. Uh, we, the reason we put that in there, there's a couple of non-banks that have been you know, toying with going public, but the IPO market for non-banks is, is really awful right now, and it's not going to get yep. much better the rest of this year. And and here's a lender that not a lot of people heard of, but they're doing almost $3 billion a year in production, and they've started growing their servicing portfolio, which is at about $4 billion. Uh, and, you know, so deals can't get done if you're a depository, if you're a non-bank. Uh, and there's talk that maybe next year the IPO market will open up again. Yeah. I think one of the problems is, all the servicing markdowns on um, uh, the portfolios that the non-banks have taken, and there's been a bit of red ink on that and, and some other issues. But uh, Listen, MBA has got a letter out warning about down payment assistance programs. Uh, George Brooks wrote that story. It's on the website. Uh, they basically want HUD to issue more authoritative guidelines for lenders participating in state and local housing finance agencies uh, tied to down can, I just, can I stop you right sure. there? Did, did you say you're expecting the federal government to write clear and more authoritative guidelines? I mean, that's are they capable of doing that? CFPB can. No, I'm not expecting them to. I'm saying the NBA <laughs> wants them to. Hey, listen to what I say, David. Okay. <laughs> you know, I just listen, had to jump on a, that. There's a way we write stuff. You know, we try and put <laughs> words in other people's mouths using their words, not ours. Well, that's what MBA wants, and and the uh, whole down payment assist, assistance thing is is an interesting topic and uh, one which we could take up. You could have a whole show on that, by the way. Yes, um, you know, we may. But it's you know we'll see what happens. MBA obviously is, is got their point of view and they they got their members to protect them. They they want some clarifications. We'll see. Uh, Read MBS holdings were up uh, slightly in the second quarter. We crunched those numbers from all the publicly traded REITs. And this is tied to the agency MBS they hold in their balance sheet. Uh, Two Harbors in particular was one of the main reasons that number was up. Uh, they've been cutting back in some regards, and they've been buying MBS out there. Um, what else we got out there? J.G. Wentworth, that's an interesting story in the short take section. Uh, they're a company that buys a lottery. Uh, we'll go to someone who won the lottery and we'll say, all right, you, you got $40 million coming over you know, 10 years. We'll, we'll give you everything up front for $30 million. Uh, you know they buy um, they buy stuff at a discount for people who can't wait for the payout over multiple years. They went out and bought a mortgage company a year ago. Yeah. Uh, that mortgage company, Westar, is now doing pretty well. But J.G. Wentworth uh, filed to uh, they got delisted from the New York Stock Exchange and now in the OTC market. Uh, they did release second quarter results and their mortgage company is doing pretty well. Uh, so we'll yeah, keep an eye on that one. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are and. Um, Right now, a lot of more, a lot of mid-size, small-size non-bank mortgage companies that are basically production-only are doing very well these days. Uh, as long as you're not keeping servicing, you don't have to worry about those markdowns. Uh, we crunched the numbers, of course, as I mentioned earlier. Every quarter, uh, mortgage broker market share is still at 10%. It's been that way for a while, uh, and that's way down from the peak set back in 2005 when brokers had about 35% of the market. But, you know, yeah, 10% is not half bad, I guess, when you think about was things. Was it 35%? Is, was that what it was? Yeah, they had 35%? yeah back in 2000. Okay. Remember, brokers owned the world back then. Oh, yeah. they, you know, NAMBI, mm-hmm. National Association of Mortgage Brokers, uh, you know, they had uh, they were the pre- one of the premier trade groups um, in the broker sector. 
and you know now they don't even have office space. They're basically a, a little club that you know, the they do, do everything on the side. So, and they, I'm not even sure they're using the Namby name. They tweaked the name recently. Um, no, they did. I have to go. They're, yeah. They they, they they formed a new association, and that one is off to the races. And, and we've had uh, gosh, it escapes me right now. How he had him on is I wrote a post about some about the CFPB and. I got blasted. Oh gosh, I can't remember what his name is right now. But you know, I had him on as a guest of the radio program, responsive and blasting me. But I mean, it was sounding pretty, pretty promising. The growth within that. So yeah, I think we're going to continue to see some growth. I don't think we're going to see the highs of the previous time, but who knows? No, no, we won't. But they'll be. They should be a steady player. Okay, we have to revisit yeah. where where that trade group's going. Oh, and then last but not yep. least, you know, we printed last week about two subprime MBS deals, Angel Oak and Deep Haven. And we just had a quick shout-out to uh, one of the vendors on that deal, Clayton Holdings. They were the rep and warranty reviewer on that bond, and there could be a bigger role for uh, you know, rep and warranty uh, vendors going forward if that market takes off. So that Good is job. all the news. Uh, and there's Paul Mollow at imfnews.com. Check it out, folks. Great. A lot of information. Paul, does, Paul and the team do a great job there. Tell everyone hi there. Look forward to seeing you again oh, soon, Paul. Thanks so much okay. for being back, Have even though I offended you so badly. <laughs> no, you didn't. I don't think Sam was a fan either. <laughs> no, Alrighty. I don't think so either. Sam, both of you guys are great spirit. Appreciate you being a part of it. Have a great one. All, All right. right. Let's, you bet. Talk to you soon. Let's get over to Alice, Alvy. Alice, it's good to have you here each and every week. Missed having you in there with in the in the room with when with Joe and I when we did the program live. So got to do that again. We got that coming up here, not too distant future. But good report last week. A lot of feedback on your segment. So what do you got for us this week? Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah. So this week, since you know Congress isn't very active right now, I do want to make sure that we get a chance to let everybody know a couple of things from the agency viewpoint. So FHA did issue its extension of the temporary approval provisions for the FHA condo project. So that was good news. We were expecting that, but it's always nice to see that in print. Um, the rural housing services are going to be reducing their upfront fees. So that's going to be cut from 2.75 to 1%. And then the monthly fee is going to get cut from 0.45 to 0.35. So that's going to be great that this is going to get updated. Now that's not going to be effective until October 1st, but keep that in mind because it's nice to see a reduction in the fees anytime. And, and that really is a great product. I'm always surprised at how many people think that uh, that's just for rural housing or, um, you know, farmland. And it really is. Take a look at your maps and uh, take a look. You might be surprised as to how far reaching that product really can help in your community uh, since that was such a hot topic last week as well. And then, of course, the Fannie Mae Channel 3, now they've got the, you know, if you can go to their website, you can see all the information out there now. It's been released. They've got all kinds of information. And, you know, right in keeping with the Paperwork Reduction Act, the Channel 3 is going to be going from a, you know, roughly five-page document to a 10- or 15-page document. So um, we're going to have some big challenges, I think, for folks who've been using that form for <laughs> a lot of years uh, to be able to make and get make the adjustments and be able to fill this in because you're going to talk to your borrower first. It's really going to change your interview process. Um, so this is going to be lining up with the Humda changes that we talked about last week in 2018. And that is, I think it's going to be a challenge for our software providers. So we'll be watching that for you closely. Certainly they're all concerned with um, trying to make sure they get all of the, those programming changes done. Um, so it is a, a pretty big step. And then also FIFA did extend HARP. Uh, that was uh, proposing to end at the end of this year, and so now we're comfortably into at least September of 2017. They're tweaking the program, so you do want to take a look at the new guidelines with the changes in the LTVs and uh, some other important changes throughout that product uh, to hopefully open up doors uh, for some of your other borrowers and uh, make sure you read those marketing conditions and how you're allowed to market for that. But you certainly can uh, pursue the borrowers who are in those groups. And so it does open up a little bit more. And so go take a look at it because we're all looking for new ways to get more business, right, Dave? Um, so that's my are. quick report this week. Yeah, which is, you know, the Channel 3, I think, is, uh, you know, like you mentioned, some folks at Fannie Mae are going around and talking about it, but we really do see that, um, you know, it, it's going to be in another game changer. Like we said, um, you've got some time before you have to start digging it out, and this one you will definitely need to wait until your LOS providers give you some more guidance. This one's going to be tough to do anything until they're ready to um, uh, roll it out. 
Yep, you got to look at it. I, I presented with Natalie Hunt, who's the director of product development for Fannie Mae and uh, the credit portfolio strategy group. And uh, it was really interesting, the changes. It's significant. We saw those up at the Oklahoma Mortgage Bankers Association. She was floating those out, and there's still some fluidity, fluidity about that. But that has all been settled in, as you say. So, yeah, now we got yep. a year out. But get, start getting familiar with it. The vendors have got, here we go, another round of deal. This is not the time to be well, a vendor. You right now, out of, I, I, I want to make one quick clarification that it's not mandatory January 1st of 2018. It should be available and you will be permitted to use it. So a firm date for yeah. when it has to be used is not set yet. Um, but the form yeah. itself is set. So the, the hurdles as far as how many languages it was going to have to be uh, available in have all been um, put aside, and now the form itself is in an approved format and ready to move forward. Yes. Good clarification. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate it so much you being here each and every week. I love it, and looking forward to doing a podcast or two live with you yet this year, so it'll be fun to do that. Folks, if you're not signed up or a customer of Indicom Mortgage U, Alice Alvey, or you need looking for a speaker at your next event, get a hold of her. And uh, how to do so? Stay tuned. This ad will tell you exactly how to do it. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. I like that. Let them give you the edge. It is so true. And I know that it's just really fun to get to know Alice. She's a wonderful person. She and her husband are dear friends. We're grateful for the relationship. Another relationship I'm grateful for is Sam Garcia, who is on the line here with us. He's got a really good website, MortgageDaily.com, and it's got the data that is just outstanding. I encourage you to check this out, but you don't have to check it out. You actually get to listen to him now. Sam, good to have you with us, friend. Hi, David. How you doing? Good. How you, how you good. doing? How you doing, Sam? Good, good, good. <laughs> well, you know, we got some good news, uh, which, you know, has been happening a lot lately with the economic forecasts. One of them uh, was the Mortgage Bankers' uh, latest origination outlook, and that has uh, forecasted mortgage production from 2016 to 2018, a three-year period, period uh, up $300 billion. So they expect $300 billion more this month wow. than they expected in last month's outlook. So that's a good, uh, a good thing to hear when originations are higher. And I think, of course, that plays into what the uh, – that great attendance that you're talking about for the upcoming MBA annual. You know, things are good and more people are doing what they can to even make them better. Um, and that outlook, by the way, had both purchases and refinances uh, benefiting from the uh, increased expectations. So, um, Nation Star, another piece of good news, is uh, opening a new facility in East Texas. And as a result, the company plans to hire 600 new employees for the new uh, office, which is in Longview, Texas. Um, FHA last week, they put out some changes to the FHA HAMP program that will um, reduce the number of steps needed to resolve delinquency and modify loans. Uh, the details were included, if anybody's interested, in Mortgagee Letter 2016-14. Uh, another uh, update that we had last week was FHA, FHFA said that um, a new refinance program is being launched to replace HARP. Um, but since the new program won't be live until October 2017, FHFA said it's going to extend HARP uh, from the original deadline, which was the end of this year, until September 30th of next year. Though, um, you know, the thing about HARP is it's been diminishing lately. Um, there were fewer than 6,000 HARP transactions reported for June, which was the fewest uh, since the program launched on a monthly basis. So, you know, there's been less interest in that, you know, as people have been gaining equity and not necessarily needing the program. Um, there was a lawsuit last week that was settled. Uh, 
PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, agreed to settle a, a $5.5 billion lawsuit that was filed by the bankruptcy trustee for Taylor Bean Whitaker, um, but terms of the settlement weren't disclosed. So even though the lawsuit was asking for $5.5 billion, we don't know what the uh, settlement amount was. And for those who aren't familiar, Taylor Bean was a company whose senior management engaged in a massive secondary fraud scheme that uh, put their warehouse lender, Colonial Bank, out of business, and PwC was the auditor for Colonial Bank. Aquin, um, they settled some allegations of unlicensed servicing. Uh, they had two. They have two offshore affiliates uh, of Aquin Loan Servicing that uh, have allegedly been conducting unlicensed servicing activity in Washington State. And Aquin, which didn't admit any wrongdoing, uh, agreed to a consent order with the State Department of Financial Institutions, and the settlement includes a $900,000 fine. Um, also, our, we, we, of course, do our weekly mortgage market index. That was down 3% last week. Um, that index, which is an early indication of uh, upcoming mortgage originations, is based on average per user rate locks by open-close clients. And while refinance business tumbled 9% last week, purchase business was up 2%. Always nice to see purchase business, which is more long-term when rates aren't low, uh, doing well. Freddie Mac reported that uh, it had $38.2 billion in purchases and issuances for July. That was the best month since July 2015, so in, in the past year. And also, 90-day residential delinquency uh, at the government-controlled enterprise was 1.08%, which is the lowest rate since July 2008. Uh, another story that was uh, out last week was that PHH revealed it uh, had a loss of subservicing from HSBC, um, which is selling its MSRs. So including the loss of a subservicing contract that it also has with uh, Merrill Lynch, PHH said its total subservicing units as of June 30 are going to decline by about 47% by the end of this year. Uh, that's about 230,000 units. So uh, one other thing that we uh, published last week that I, th I thought was interesting was the uh, Stearns Lending made some changes to its management structure and to the titles uh, used by its executive team. There's a lot more of the word director in these titles. And Stearns CEO Brian Hale said in the announcement that the new structure and accompanying market competitive designations are more are they more clearly reflect levels of responsibility across the management team so uh, those are some of the most interesting uh, stories that we had over the last week um, what, one other thing I wanted to note that there was uh, an executive James Newmeyer um, who has died he was uh, out of Florida and uh, what was interesting and it's one you know in the story it was a wire news story that we put out was that he was the president of embassy financial services which was sold to Berkshire Hathaway in 2003. Uh, more recently, you know, he founded his own company, Newmeyer Mortgage Services, which his son now runs. But uh, anyway, those are some of the, the highlights that we've got there. As old as our industry is, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more mortgage bankers in the uh, obituaries. Uh, it's just really sad that we're at this age and we're starting to fade away. Now, we are. Uh, it's not that old. You're going to be around for a long time. I plan to stick around, and our guest is going to be sticking around here for a long time. Tony Moss is going to live for a long time. Not going to let her. Well, you know, there's and still people have a lot of stories of what's gone on up there. Um, people, yeah. you know, new people coming in will never know what had happened. You know, going back to the savings yeah. and loans crisis in the '90s when we, you know, had the '98 crisis and you know all these other things. So uh, we need to keep the storytelling out there so we can pass yeah, some of do. these stories along and uh, learn from these lessons. Well, that's one of the reasons you have your website. You do a great job, MortgageDaily.com, and that's why we do this radio program. And there's now seven and a half years of radio program stuck in the can that's set out there on the website, available for people to listen to. It's really interesting. And we still have, we still get downloads, Sam, of programs from five years ago. Really interesting. Amazing the shelf life of this stuff. So, anyway, you want to learn more? Go out to MortgageDaily.com or email Sam Garcia at MortgageDaily.com. Or call his office or ask for Sam, 214-521-1300. Sam, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Really appreciate it. Back at you, my friend. Appreciate it. Always good. The Prophet Doctor is not going to be able to join us today. He is out and about, but we always put in a plug for the Prophet Doctor. If you're looking for someone to help you with your bottom line, as we say, if you've got something ailing you and when it comes to your financials, 
One of my favorite ads he runs is, it's the 10th of the month. Do you know where your financials are? But anyway, get a hold of Andy Shell at andy at mbs-team.com. Appreciate the friendship and value that very, very much. Let's get out to Jim Jump. He is going to give us an update on the uh, ArchMI program, and here's Jim. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on, and we're happy to be a proud sponsor of the program. And today I'd like again to talk about RateStar from Arch Mortgage Insurance. RateStar is a revolutionary tool that allows mortgage originators to dynamically price mortgage insurance and match coverage to ArchMI's most competitive rates. And that's important because it allows you to compete more effectively, qualify more borrowers, and of course close more loans. That's the power of RateStar. Originators from around the country are letting us know just how quick and easy RateStar is to use. And all you need is your NMLS number, and you can access RateStar anywhere, anytime, using multiple points of entry, including most LOS systems, product and pricing engines, and through our websites at archmi.com and archmicu.com for credit unions. And of course, it's available through our mobile app for smartphones and tablets. RateStar makes it easy to choose what type of mortgage insurance coverage your loan needs. You just touch, tap, and go. Quotes are delivered in seconds and represent our most competitive ArchMI rates based on the strength and quality of the loan application. And I have to tell you, David, getting a mortgage insurance quote has never been so powerful or so simple. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you and say thanks. Have a great day, everybody. Powerful and simple. I like that, Jim. It works. And, folks, there is a real advantage. I'm seeing it when I go at these conferences. I'm hearing about it from the competitors that are grousing about this app and this uh, the Raystar program. So go check it out. Get a hold of your local ArchMI representative and have them tell you all about it. Another valued relationship we have is with Motivity Solutions. They do a great job. And we've got John Maynell giving us the latest KPI of the month. And then right after this, we're going to be live with Tony Moss, president founder of AmeriCatalyst, Your Catalyst, talking about what did the Brexit vote really mean and what are the implications. So anyway, let's get over to John Maynell, who is the vice president of VP Client Role Services for Motivity for this week's KPI of the Week. Hello, Dave. Thanks very much. Great to be here as always. And this week we have another key performance indicator related to TRID. And the KPI is underwriting to closing days. And like all TRID metrics, the focus is the estimated closing date and how far in advance a file should be submitted to underwriting to make provisions for any and all underwriting eventualities, possibly multiple resubmissions, and leaving enough time after final approval to finish the loan and deliver the closing disclosure on time. A very common practice for lenders that have automated their analytics with mortgage business intelligence like Movation is to have the system automatically send email alerts to participants on those loans that are running late and at risk of missing these milestone deadlines. Now, This allows loan participants to continually reprioritize their workflow to ensure they remain compliant, clearly demonstrating again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you once again and turn it back to you. Check it out, folks, MotivitySolutions.com, M-O-T-I-T-V-I-T-Y, Solutions.com. Anyway, you know how to spell it. I'm messing it up here. Or give them a call at 303-721-9000, Motivity Solutions, with their famous Movation product. Great stuff. Folks, it's always fun to have friends come on this podcast. I have so many of them. We're so blessed to have Alice, Andy, Joe, Sam and Paul, and, and we really enjoy the group here, and so many people, guests we have, uh, which have been some outstanding guests. And I might say, our next guest has been responsible getting so many of the, a lot of the guests on there. Tony Moss is the founder and the CEO of AmeriCatalyst, based here in Austin, Texas, and also the founder of EuroCatalyst, based in the Netherlands. She is one of the most brilliant and creative minds in the housing finance industry, and I'm not kidding about that, folks. I mean, I listen to her and her brilliance of where she sees things going. There's just some people that seem to just have a knack for it, and she's got a worldwide global reputation and reach, and so very excited to have her here. She has her hands-on experience with more than 20 years of mortgage markets, experience in the mortgage markets around the world. Tony is well-known for the big picture. She's a big-picture thinker, and that's really part of many foundations and think tanks. She circulates around some of the most amazing people that really look as to where the markets are going. She's always at the vanguard of recognizing the permanent patterns, uh, recognizing patterns at least. I don't know if they're going to be permanent or not. They do shift around, but of the next big thing in the industry. So she does a lot of marketing. Hopefully she'll give us a chance to tell us a little more what she does specifically because she does this. We're going to be talking about the event that she's got coming up. 
But it's really important that you understand her background. She is an innovative thinker and thinks and sees things of what's coming around the corner. She's also behind the scenes or is involved in some of the most innovative ventures here in the global housing industry, including the world's first completely online mortgage. I did not realize that until we were talking here yes, last night about this. And then also, it's uh, it was from 1997, and it was the first origination servicing platform. And it was the first that shared servicing utilities to the world's first financial structure, uh, first structured covered bond. So she was involved in the first structured bond for the covered bond. For those that are not aware of covered bonds, we had a whole program on it a number of years ago. That is one of the programs that's interestingly that gets downloaded a lot. So with that, Tony Moss, so good to have you joining me here today, my friend. Tony, Tony, do we have you there? I got your mic turned on. I just want to make sure you can hear me all right and that you're there. Well, let's see here. Maybe I need to go double check. Uh, Tony is supposed to be right at the microphone. I am. And, I am. Uh, oh, there. I am oh, here. Sorry. Um, oh, can we good, just buddy. stop the interview there? Because that was such a flattering introduction. I, you know, <laughs> well, I, I'm ready to quit well, now. <laughs> yeah, I love the I love the introduction, but the best part of the introduction is you've just become such a close close friend of mine. And uh, I was Val, you met listening to me speak at a conference, and you had me come over to Madrid and speak there. And I met some. I mean, I had no idea uh, how level well connected you are. But I mean, we could talk all about that, or we can really get into talking about some really important things. So. I want to really get into this, Tony, but it's really good to have you here. Thank you so much for taking time to share your um, insights on what's going on in the industry with us. For the past 14 years, Tony, you have been producing and curating uh, and hosting an annual invitation-only event conference that is dynamic. and It's really a peer-to-peer think tank, folks, that has an impact of globalization on the housing. And, and it's really focused on what has been that trend. So that has been for the last 14 years a focus on globalization that's been happening but that's that's all changing it's uh it's not a pervasive event but is really an immerse immersive experience i want to get tony explaining what she means by that uh where everyone actively participates in every session so the the event oh that's the event that the the um, Cal, Americal event that will be here in Austin we're going to talk about that at the end of the program um, is a really environment where you get immersed in it, and you are in a participatory type process. You're sitting, everyone has iPads sitting on the counter. As the event is going on, don't you always wish you could ask a question? Well, that's what she does. It's coming up October 30th through November 1st. You're going to learn about it. The best of all, she is going to extend an invitation. This is truly an invitation only. It's not one of those things where you can go down and pull this coupon off the Internet and get a free part of it. This is legitimately, she's extending it out to our listeners. And she's going to have one of our guests on that I, we've introduced and helped get high profile, and that's Logan Motoshami. She He's going to be presenting there and talking there as well. So, Tony, it's good to have you here with us. You have an incredible track record over the last years regarding what is going on in the housing market, and you have seen it long before it happened. Let's put some things into context with a historical point of view of the event events that are happening and why you created this event, the Mayor Catalyst event, in the first place because it is, has a very significant link to what just happened this summer. So let's get into insights into this. Whew. Um, I'll try and expedite this, but from 1997 to 2002, um, by that time I'd worked in all European mortgage markets doing things like building cross-border origination and servicing operations or expanding the investor base for covered bond issuers and creating a lot of new business models for European markets. But as securitization really started to take flight in Europe, um, I would advise investors on differentiating between their investment options that underlie national MBS issuances around the world, and they varied greatly. So I had a pretty in-depth perspective on these dramatic changes that were happening in Europe during that period. And it struck me that the whole notion of the European Union itself and and even more the creation of the Euro, I mean, think about this. The fact that 12 nations would cede their sovereign destiny to a central bank with no political infrastructure to support it was really the most significant grand social experiment of our lifetime. 
And if you really think about it, they built the roof first, and then they figured they'd build the house underneath <laughs> at a later point. And Great. and so I thought I, I really thought about that and thought that the urgency of this and all these changes really were due to globalization and and how its forces were creating a world that was just becoming increasingly unpredictable and beyond our control. You know, I want to stop you right there for a second. Um, when most people think about it and think about globalization specifically, they tend to think of it as an economic issue. You just said it's forces. What do you mean by that? Phew. Um, if you really get into the roots of it, there's some pretty intense debates about what globalization is or what the ideology is behind it and whether or not it's really happening. But the way that I look at it is it's not one dimensional change, but it's a whole set of changes that are primarily driven by technology and electronic communication. So these forces are social, they're cultural and political. They're not just economic. So I'm also talking about hyper-globalization, which has altered hmm. the structure of states. It's altered the nature of economies. It's altered our basic institutions, our ideals, the way that we live. And it is economic in that we have this intense economic interdependence and competition on a global as opposed to a national scale. But it's, it's even more than that because it's this phenomenon that's created this world where the greatest change is the pace of change. And that's led to all of these unpredictable precedents. So think about this. An app is outdated within a week. So for us, and with this pace of change, everything is one huge beta test from here on out. Yeah, that, that's good. That, that clarifies what we were talking about. That. So now that we've gotten that straight, let's, let's kind of go back to some of the things you were trying to cover before so, I interrupt okay. um, So it, it, it really struck me that the European Union and the creation of the euro was sort of the petri dish of globalization, and, and I was right, sitting right. right there in the middle of it. So I was interested in how globalization itself, because it's so pervasive, would alter really the most ubiquitous industry in the world, and that's the housing industry. So it occurred to me that mortgage markets were actually the epicenter of the world's economic fault line and that the forces of globalization would accelerate and magnify market inefficiencies and over leverage and cause it to rupture. So I thought that maybe I should get everybody together and talk about it. But at that time, the party was just getting started, and everybody thought that I was being a bit dramatic and, and a fruitcake. But it sounded interesting <laughs> to them, and it brought together all the European market meet leaders for the first time. So, so it was very well received. And I launched the event in 2002 as Euro Catalyst, and I held it in Madrid because – I thought that when mortgage markets imploded, that Spain would get hit the worst. And in the opening sequence, I mean, this, this event has a soundtrack. Um, so when the song Burning Down the House finished playing, and I walked up on stage and the lights came back up, and everybody was sitting there like the guy in the old Max L commercial, you know, when he leans back in his chair with his tie <laughs> flying backwards. Yes. yes. That was perfect. That was so perfect. I mean, you look at that. Now, the, 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 this year, the, it's fast. We're looking at fast forward, uh, what's happening. But back then, you were looking at what was happening then. And, and if I recall, the theme from that year's event was, will, Europe, or will the European mortgage markets survive globalization? And now 14 years later, we've got the answer as a result of Brexit. Or is that the best way to look at it? Well, Yeah. Now we know. It was, it was quite a now long bet. And at the time that I came up with that theme, there were a lot of people from the European Commission there, and they were not happy about it. But, no, yeah, no. It, it looks like that experiment is, is not working as well as everyone hoped. Yeah, so after moving the event to a different country each year, you brought it here to the U.S. in 2009, and I've been a part of it since 2007, I'm proud to say. And in 2010, 
began a new iteration as Mayor Catalyst. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I had jet lag. <laughs> when I lived in Europe, I traveled 300 days a year for 10 years straight. Um, so I decided to stay put after 14 years abroad, and I've just kept it here in Austin. And um, as you know, considering all the music and the theatrics of the event, it fits pretty well into the Keep Austin Weird scene, don't you think? Yeah, it does. I mean, for those that have not been to this, this is not just a – there's a bunch of tables, a curtain, a screen. I mean, this has got – when you say theatrics, it is really over the top what you do. It's, it's tremendous. <laughs> but you, you, you really doubled down in 2014 at the event to bring us a six-foot, eight-inch clown. This guy was huge, named Puddles. And, I mean, people didn't know what to think. But talk about that. I mean, your event <laughs> and the theatrics, the dramatics, the, the drama that you bring to it is hilarious. But it's all significant because it's pointing to things that you're seeing. So talk about that. Well, Puddles the Clown, he, he is a six-foot-eight-inch clown. He also happens to be a friend of mine, and he throws what's called the Puddles Pity Party. <clears throat> yes. And, by the way, if you see him on YouTube, we'll, we'll see what your listeners think, but if you go on YouTube and you, and you um, search for Puddles and then Royals, you'll, you'll see him. And so write Dave and tell him what you think. But um, his pity party is important because in 2014, the industry was feeling really sorry for themselves, and I was just acknowledging it by throwing our own pity party. I just didn't realize how many people were freaked out by clowns. Yeah, that horror show, that that flick did uh, that horror flick did did kind of hurt the clown image. But I mean, it, it, it was it was really fitting for what you were doing at the time. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was just outstanding. Okay, by the way, the uh, guy does have an incredible voice. That was the whole point. I was just going to go there. Him performing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you didn't think this is just tongue in cheek. What is this? What is going on here? And then you listen to this six foot, eight inch tall clown delivering a voice of its operatic quality it's just extraordinarily good but tony at the american analyst you tend to focus on issues other than what other conferences do not focus on or won't touch tell us a little bit more about that okay if you think about it there are really three types of conference producers they're trade organizations who by nature they have to tailor their content to the demands of their member base. So they really can't stray too far from safety. And then you have, I guess I'd call them the professional conference producers. They don't tend to really know the subject matter, but they're good at facilitating large-scale events, so they pretty much let their sponsors dictate what the content is. And then you have these trade publications who produce events for profit and to monetize their advertising base. So it's more of a pay-to-play, or in other words, the more you pay, the more, the more you speak, and that dictates the content as well. Um, by the way, then one of the really cool developments, um, there's some new, really unique events like the Jenny May Conference in Washington, yeah. which is excellent, and then the CoreLogic Urban Institute events are also held in Washington, and they're exceptional. And, and while I'm at it, Urban Institute, um, the Housing Finance Center, is run by Lori Goodman. And she is by far the most brilliant analyst in the entire history of this industry. So all that said, I'm, I'm the odd duck. So my event is based on my experience, but it's also based on its purpose and not its profit. And the purpose is to improve the products, processes, and practices of the housing industry so that we can have a viable and sustainable industry on a long-term basis. And, and I'm very focused on this notion of long-term because it's outrageous to me that this industry extends credits 30 years into the future, right? So we're in this world yeah. where the pace of change is phenomenal and we have no long-term planning. Anyway, so I'm also independent, so I don't, I don't have to cater to any members. I don't have a publication. Um, 
but most of all, I'm just deliberately trying to point out important issues that are blind spots in the industry and really challenge all these industry leaders to think about things that they just haven't thought about before. And frankly, some of them they don't want to think about. So, you know, the status quo in this industry, I'm sorry to say, you know, they keep marveling at the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm always stuck being the one to say it's a train. Um, but since 2007, it really has been a train, and you can either stand yeah. there and, and get mesmerized by the light of the next quarter and get hit, or you can jump on and, and ride it. So I'm just trying to get people off the tracks and, and on board. I don't know if people understand the significance of what you just said up here in these comments about what you just said, rather, uh, specifically the fact that you're doing this for a purpose and a passion to really help this industry. And uh, there's so many other uh, other events. Most other events have some type of agenda attached to them or they're succumbing to an agenda that to, to please the, the, the advertisers that are help making that possible. And, and you really, really work hard. I see how much you agonize on it, how we talk at 2, 3 in the morning sometimes as you're really working on this event. It's a fabulous event. I certainly hope our listeners will take advantage of it. Of this invitation, I know you're going to be expanding. Now, let's talk about last year. Your theme was the Rubicon, no turning back, and boy, that's the truth. You really made a point of the need for our industry to leave the past behind and focus on the future. Do you think there is, uh, there are really still a lot of executives stuck in the past? Is this, is are they, are they just stuck in Groundhog's Day? This is, this is. I'm sorry to say, but one of the most myopic industries really in the world and um and part of it is uh the demographics of our industry mm-hmm. leadership <laughs> i mean yeah. that's that's yeah. a very big part of it so when you is it because they're just old i mean you and i were talking earlier i mean we are getting older we're seeing that but is it just because that our leaders are old well, we're we're getting up there, and I'm old too. But I think it's related to the baby boomer generation. There, yeah. you know, our generation has experienced much more rapid and dramatic changes across time than almost any other generation. And we've been pretty beaten up, and we're nostalgic, and we want things to return to normal and what's familiar. And as business people who survived what everyone calls a crisis, we, we just tend to expect it to end and return to the good old days when profit was a matter of intelligence and perseverance and, and luck, but no one likes to admit that. So the reason that I seen last year's event Rubicon was not only to mark this departure from the past, but also point out that there is no end to this crisis. There's no end. Yeah. And these changes and the unpredictability and volatility are permanent. So I wanted to set the stage for this year. And, you know, I I pointed out earlier how it's frustrating that I'm always pointing out, you know, it's a train and not a light at the end of the tunnel. I hope someday there will be. And and this year we're a bit more positive. But, you know, y'all were talking earlier about economic issues and, you know, there's this eerie silence this summer and business activity is falling negative 3% since 2014. CapEx orders are down 13%. Exports are down double digit. And real GDP growth is grinding to a halt. It's now at 1%. And then you have this insanity in the markets where they're up 20% while everything else is down. And the market's trading at 25 times trailing earnings, which is just off the historical charts. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder to what extent Federal Reserve policy and artificially suppressing interest rates is, is creating a bit of a bubble in the housing market. Yes. Well, but we I mean, will talk about that get... this year. Yeah, and I think that's the best part. This conference, as I said earlier, is really fast forward what, what happens next. And I want you to focus a little bit about this. This is there's some positive aspects about this, and I, yeah. this is kind of more of an upbeat upbeat tone to that. And I mean, there's Joe Farwood. We were talking one time after one of your when you had you on a couple of years ago, and he goes, "My God, Dave, that was, oh my gosh, it's the terrible stuff coming." And you predicted it, it happened, 
But now you see some things, and it's different. Tell us about what you're focusing on and why people need to come be at this event. Well, you know, you have these significant events like Brexit and the rise of this national market protectionism occurring all over the world. So I think that hyper-globalization is reaching certain limits, and people have had enough. But while it appears that globalization is dying, I think it's really just transforming. And something that that, uh, this guy Kevin Kelly calls the technium is what's emerging. And the technium is really the convergence of economics and culture as well as technology. And here's the interesting part. So it's moving away from selling products to selling services. So in effect, and this is extremely important for our industry in particular, our product is no longer a mortgage and it's no longer loan administration. It's no longer selling homes. Our product is our process. So Mm. whoever has the best process and the best platform to manage it wins. So a lot of the event this year is going to be focused on this concept of the technium. Um, And The technium also means the shift to a world where consumers will gain access to things they previously aspired to own. So companies are going to be in the business of providing the service of access, like, you know, look at Airbnb. They're selling hotels as a service, or there will be food as a service, or health as a service, and, yes, housing as a service. Wait a second. Now, housing as a service, what do you mean by that? Well, we've, we've noticed a decline in home ownership, um, right. and that is, is not just a matter of diminished credit access. So, sure, you know, many, if not most people, still aspire to home ownership, and, and it is one of the best ways to generate wealth, but the truth is people also need to retain their liquidity and increase their mobility to move where the jobs are. And this is why you see such a dramatic increase in velocity behind the whole single-family rental industry or sector. Yeah, it makes sense. Looking at the clock, things are just tick away so fast here when we get into really important topics like this. So let's talk about the specific topics that you're most interested in that you'll be talking about here at your upcoming event. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start out by establishing a baseline of, of exactly where we are in the industry and where we're going by doing a score analysis. So that's a new iteration of the old SWOT analysis, but it's much more helpful. So it stands for Strengths, Challenges, Opportunities, Responses, and Effectiveness. And uh, we've got Sean Dobson from Amherst Holdings, Ted Tozer from Jenny May, Mark Fleming from First American, and Tony Miola from B of A. So in a sense, we have an investor, a government entity, an economist, and a servicer, uh, big bank perspective. So you'll get four different angles on the biggest issues and opportunities. And then the next session is, is the dry forest, and it's talking about the liquidity crisis in the market right now, particularly with regard to MSRs. Um, Okay, now this one is is controversial. Uh, The session is called The Unthinkable. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's about, sorry, the impact of climate change. Um, I actually use different words, but I'm telling you now, it's about (laughs) climate change and how it will affect house prices and real estate much sooner than you think. So we'll be talking about which cities are the worst and which cities will benefit from it in terms of climate change migration. Um, And then the central session to the whole event is is The Inevitable, which is based on a book by Kevin Kelly. And it's about all the recent technological breakthroughs and the 12 trends that are going to make the near future look as though the present never happened. It's that dramatic. But the good news there is these changes are so new that it's not too late to jump on board. And then um, this is going to be, this debate's going to be really fun. It's called the Treehouse Pilots, the new <laughs> digerati of the housing industry and their big ideas for the future. And these, these are really going to be the leaders of tomorrow. And then 
Um, I guess I'll just throw out one more. Um, we are going to talk about the latest debates and innovations in single-family rental, but the session I think that's going to be pretty darn scary It's called the Three Great Stimulants, and it's about central banks and their tools yeah. being monetary policy, fiscal policy, and time. And we're going to talk about how they've lost control and run out of solutions. And the, the, the disastrous consequences of current policy creating bubbles in the market. So that's, so that's there's still more, there's so but that's, those are the interesting the, ones. Those are interesting. The great stimulants. I just, it's like I cannot wait for this event to happen. It's so wonderful to sit there. And the best part, again, is you as the audience, for those of you that can make it, can sit in the audience and write in questions to the guest speakers. So let's get into the, some of the wrap this up. And looking at your narrative over the last four, 14 years, aren't you kind of painting yourself into a corner? I mean, uh, I mean, you know, if you fast forward the future now, what theme is left? for an event like this itself? Well, that's a, that's a very astute question, and I'm, I'm really good at painting myself into corners. <laughs> but Ooh, I will gosh. say that we'll have a very big announcement about the future of this event at the event itself. But ultimately, I think that this dialogue that we've had and this narrative really needs to be taken outside of the industry and reach a more broad swath of the public because I think the public really needs to understand what's going on and the role of housing in the global economy and how crucial it is. And some of these topics that we need to talk about, you know, like income inequality or climate change um, and the future and communities of the future, um, all of these things need to be in a, in a different environment. Well, Tony, I thank you so much for being here again. I'm very excited about this event. Again, we've had as our special guest today Tony Moss, the founder and CEO of AmeriCatalyst here in Austin, and your catalyst based in the Netherlands. Very exciting. And she has an event coming up called the uh, AmeriCatalyst 2016 Fast Forward. What happens next? You want to be at this event. It happens October 30th through November 1st, and Tony, you have very graciously and extended an, uh, an invitation out to our listeners, so go ahead and provide that, and, and let's, how can they get registered? All they need to do is write you and tell you that they want to come, and you forward that to me, and and I will give them uh, a personal phone call. But by the I way, I, wanna, I have a favor to ask of you. I want to meet sure. Paul Morlow. I've never met him. Oh, you I oh, was excited to hear him. <laughs> yeah, no. we've got to get him. He's, we'll get him there. We'll get love All right. him there. All right, Tony. Thanks so much for being a part of the thank podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor, as always. Really do appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time. It's just so good to have friends here. And for many of you, this feels like friends. You joined and listened to the podcast. Many of you walk up to me at programs and conferences and webinars, seminars, and you just say, love the podcast. Thank you so much and for telling others about it so others can benefit from the content that we try to provide. Again, this is our give back to the industry, so playing it forward, so to speak. Good to have you with us. Be sure to come back here next week. We're out of time, but go to the website. You'll find out who our guest is. Very exciting stuff coming up. Be right back. Well, not going to be right back. This is over now. Thank you so much. Again, big thank you to Tony Moss. President, CEO, founder of AmeriCatalyst for being our guest today. Talk to you soon, everyone. Have a great week. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 